Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to another episode of Let's Ride. I'm Jeff Hartman, co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and your host for Let's Ride, which is your Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning podcast on Mondays, though after a Sunday game, it shows the show's at noon, so it's not really morning, but boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. And when a game ends, I, sometimes I feel like I could do a show right away. I could get on the microphone after our post-game podcast and I could just record my Let's Ride for the next day because everything is still fresh in my mind. But I think most of the time, and I would say 99.9% of the time, I don't do that. I wait until the next morning because that's going to allow me a chance to kind of really absorb everything that just happened. It's going to give me an opportunity to see, okay, what went right, what went wrong, and what do I really want to focus on for this upcoming show? And there was a lot of weird emotions running through Steeler Nation on Sunday after the Steelers win because it's a victory Monday, folks. Like that's that's the one thing that people need to remember. The Steelers are eight and zero. They set a franchise record for the star best start in franchise history. I know I talked last week about how I don't care about history; I just care about this game. But history is history, meaning we're seeing something that's never been done before in Pittsburgh Steelers franchise history since 1933 when the Pittsburgh Pirates at the time were started. So it is significant, but when you look at it in the grand scope of just one game at a time, like I suggested last week, in that regard, you see a really, really ugly and disheartening performance in a way. In our post-game podcast, myself, Brian Anthony Davis, and Dave Schofield, it almost felt as if we were talking about a trap game loss. You know, the, like the Steelers were favored by 14 points or 13 and a half, depending on your book. And they go down to Dallas, a team that's awful, only won two games. They don't have a quarterback. Their defense is giving up the most rushing yards in the entire NFL. They're the worst rush defense in the National Football League. And it almost felt like we were talking about a loss, but they didn't lose. These are the games that the Steelers used to lose. These are the games that. Mike Tomlin and his teams got the moniker of trap game and playing down to their opponents. You can say they played down to the Cowboys level if you want. I would say, in my opinion, this is just the eye test here. I would say that the Cowboys played up to their opponent. And there's a difference. Sure, the Steelers didn't play well. They did not put a complete performance together. But you can't say that in the first half that the Steelers were turning the ball over, that they were playing sloppy. The Dallas Cowboys were playing a great game. Mike McCarthy said after the game that that was the best team performance they had played all year, and that included when Dak Prescott was a quarterback. So I think it was a mixture of the Steelers having a slow, sluggish start and the Dallas Cowboys kind of playing out of their mind, and it took them some time. It took the Steelers some time to finally get Garrett Gilbert under wraps. I can't believe I just said that, but that's exactly what happened, and the Steelers end up winning 24 to 19. But this podcast is not just going to be about the numbers and what could have been and what happened and penalties. No, not, not at all. The first half of this podcast, before we get to the winners and losers in the second part, this is about how some fans are almost like, well, ah, well, this win, it just kind of feels like, uh, I don't know. 
look, your feelings don't matter. Period. My feelings don't matter. Your feelings don't matter. Feelings don't matter. And I'm a feelings guy. You know, I, I'm a feelings guy. Yes, my wife, you know, I don't mind a sappy movie from time to time. <laughs> Although I admit that I'll sit down and watch Hallmark movies with her in the Christmas season and stuff. But still, your feelings don't matter. Eight and O matters. That's what it's all about. And you can sit there and you can talk about style points until you're blue in the face. But when it boils down to it, when you get down to brass tacks, all that matters is did the Steelers win the game or did they not? Did they win the game or not? And you know, it's funny because we always do predictions when the schedule comes out in April, or I think it was in May in this, this season in 2020. And we always do our predictions and everyone laughs at me when I'm like, yeah, I can see the Steelers win this game. I think they're like, you seriously think they're going to start off eight and L? Yeah, because there's a part of me that always feels like the Steelers are going to win the game. And I've been perfect this year. That's what it's about. The Steelers are winning every single game. But if you want to sit there, okay, and I already see this happening. I see it on Twitter at DD King of the NFL Network. She's comparing last year's Ravens team and how they blew everyone's doors off offensively and they rattled off 12 straight wins to the Steelers who are just scraping by and barely getting wins. What does it mean? Again, feelings about a win or loss don't matter. It's whether you win the game or you don't win the game. But if you want to sit there and talk about style points, let's talk about style points as it relates to week nine. Okay, let's look at some other games around the National Football League, some other teams. Anyone else see at one o'clock the Kansas City Chiefs almost get beat by the Carolina Panthers in Arrowhead Stadium? I did. I did. And uh, to be honest with you, if the Carolina Panthers defense could have just, oh my gosh, could have just gotten one more stop, or if Teddy Bridgewater had just a few more seconds, they were probably winning that football game. But do you hear people complaining about that? The Carolina Panthers aren't a good football team. They're improving, but they're not a good football team. No, what's going to happen is that on Tuesday, everyone's going to put their power rankings out, and the, the Kansas City Chiefs, which, by the way, I know power rankings mean absolutely nothing. They mean nothing. It's just for debate. It's hot takery, but that's fine. We'll, we'll, I'll reference that. These media outlets will have the Kansas City Chiefs as the top team in the National Football League. They are it. They are the team to beat. Pittsburgh barely beat Dallas, blah, blah, blah. Look, numbers matter. So Kansas City goes into the bye 8-1. and one. Guess what? Pittsburgh's 8-0. 8-0. No. No. Top of the AFC, top of the NFL, top of the AFC North. What else could you ask for? But I'll, let's go. Let's keep going. Everyone was in love with the Arizona Cardinals, too. Arizona Cardinals playing at home against Tua, his second start as a, as a pro. It was a shootout. Guess who won? Wasn't the Arizona Cardinals. Are people still in love with that Kyler Murray team? DeAndre Hopkins, anyone? Is anyone talking about that? No. Come on now, people. Look, This is a week-to-week league in the NFL. You just got to try to survive every week. I'll keep going, though. Everyone thought the Seattle Seahawks were the shoe-in for the NFC to, to be the representative in the NFC for the Super Bowl. Everyone thought that. Oh, Seattle's going to go in there, and they're just going to blow everyone out. Seattle got their doors blown off by the Buffalo Bills and Buffalo on Sunday. I mean, just doors blown off. Buffalo scored over 40 points on Seattle. Anyone talking Super Bowl now in the great Northwest? Anyone? Bueller? Probably not. Probably not. Okay? Then you look at, like, Green Bay. Green Bay looks great. Remember a couple weeks ago when Tampa Bay just completely annihilated Aaron Rodgers? 
Or let's talk about Tampa Bay. Everyone loves Tampa Bay. Uh, they'll just put the Lombardi Trophy down there now. Just give it to Bruce Arians. Give it to Tom Brady. Oh, they just got Antonio Brown. They just got Antonio Brown. They have Godwin. They have Mike Evans. They're so good. This team, their defense is good. They, just give them the trophy. Why are we playing games anymore? Hey, why? Let's just give them the trophy. Hey, just, all right, guys, let's call it a season. It's been great. Nine weeks has been fun. You know, Tom Brady, you're just too good, man. Too good for everyone. Here you go. There's your trophy. Anyone watch that game last night? I did. You know what I saw? They're not that good. Not this week they weren't that good. That's what I'm trying to get to, people, is that everyone wants to have these hard hard feelings, and they're all... I, I want to use a term that I shouldn't use on the air. I'm not going to, but everyone's all up in their feelings today because, oh, woe is me. The Steelers barely beat the Cowboys. They won the game. Do I need to go back down here to the list? I mean, Kansas City barely beat the, the Panthers, but they won the game. KC fans are pumped today. Yet Steeler fans are kind of down in the dome. Oh, well, I need to come back and Gary Gilbert and oh, man, I guess it's just another win. You know, come on, people. Come on. I'm getting a little fired up here because ultimately you just have to win the game. I don't want to channel my inner Herm Edwards here. You play to win the game. I love that quote, but still it's the truth. It's a week-to-week league in the National Football League now. You don't know what's going to happen any week for so many different reasons in 2020. Take a look at Detroit. Matthew Stafford, because of close contact, has to go on the COVID list, and he's not able to practice. He has negative test results, so he's able to play in the game. Try to be a quarterback that can't practice all week and then go out and have to perform. That's a challenge. That would be a challenge for anyone, and Matthew Stafford's a pretty good quarterback. And so when you look at that and like that spectrum, you look at the Steelers, their schedule got thrown off this week because Marlon Humphreys of the Baltimore Ravens tested positive after they played him in week eight. And so they had to bump some things back. It was a different schedule. Yeah, that that matters. You don't know what's going to happen week in and week out in this 2020 National Football League season. And guess what? The Pittsburgh Steelers have won every time they've gone out on the football field. Period. Some are saying, do you think that it's the week four by that it's wearing down on them? Of course it's wearing down on them. My gosh, they had a buy in week four. Look at the stretch they've had to play since then. Okay, just we'll just start at the Cleveland game. Cleveland at home. Then you go on the road to Tennessee. Then you go on the road to Baltimore. Then you go on the road again to Dallas. You win three games in a row on the road? That's that's an achievement. That's an achievement. This team hasn't lost a game. And as I talk, I should be more excited myself. I really should. I am now regretting the post-game show. Because the post-game show, at times, sounded like a moratorium. Like, we're all, ah, there goes the perfect season. No, it's still going on. Look, I know that this team has issues. And I am really going to dive into that on Wednesday. A little teaser there for you. I'm going to really dive into this team's identity crisis that they're going through at the midway point of the season on Wednesday. That's You're going to want to hear that show. Just going to put it that way. But for right now, fans, come on. Think about last season and how they started. 
Think about the years that it just never really came together. And I'm not saying this team has come together, but this team is pretty darn good. When you can go and lay an egg in back-to-back games in the first half and then still find a way to come back and win, there is something to be said about that. I'm not suggesting that the Steelers should rely on that methodology every single time they take the field. Not saying that at all. No, no. I I would be a madman if I suggested that. What I'm saying is that not every game is going to be perfect. Not every game is going to be perfect. And when not every game is going to be perfect, sometimes you have to rely on your big-name superstars to come in and make a play when it matters the most. None bigger than Ben Roethlisberger. None bigger than Minka Fitzpatrick. None bigger than Cam Hayward and TJ Watt. Making a play when you have to. Juju Smith-Schuster could be added to that list. Not every game is going to be perfect. And I got to be honest, I'm not sure if there is a dominant team in the National Football League this year. And I would include the Steelers in that. Look, the Steelers, they've proven they can be beaten. They just haven't been beaten. And they're, that's, that's key. I don't know what else to say for fans, but if you watch the National Football League across, go, go top down in the NFL, I don't understand where the complaining is coming from. You know, yes. Do, do you think that Mike Tomlin in the fourth quarter should have kicked the field goal? Yeah, probably. But don't you think Bruce Arians has some bigger fish to fry than just, well, this one question could have killed us, but it didn't. His team basically got shut out and got embarrassed on the, on Sunday Night Football. This was after, again, they were just going to ship that Lombardi trophy on down there to Tampa. Why even play the rest of the games? They're so good. It's a week-to-week league, and the one thing the Pittsburgh Steelers continue to do week in and week out is win. That's all they do is win. And for that reason, Steeler fans should be the fans that are saying, hey, it wasn't pretty. But you know what? They found a way to get the job done. Feelings don't matter here, folks. How you feel about a win doesn't matter. What matters is the win itself. Again, you play to win the game. You don't play the game to look good, to make it look pretty. If you have to grit out a win against, I don't care what team, if you have to barely beat the New York Jets who haven't won a football game, it doesn't matter. When in 20 years, when they look back on this, or let's say in 10 years, if there's a football team for the Pittsburgh Steelers that is on the cusp of becoming 8-0, they're going to look back and say, up oh, at 8-0 in 2020, they beat the Dallas Cowboys 24-19 on the road for their eighth straight win. No one's going to look back and have, the oh, there's an asterisk there. Hold on. That asterisk reads, oh, ugly win. Probably shouldn't have won. Well, that shows you what happened in that game. No, no one's going to see that. Get out of here. Your feelings don't matter. My feelings don't matter. What matters? Eight and oh. That's right. I just threw my notes in my office. You can't see it, but I did it. Hey, when we come back after this break, we're going to talk about some winners and losers. We do this every single week on Monday after a game. So stay tuned. We'll be right back.
All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment of Let's Ride, your Monday podcast. The Pittsburgh Steelers are winners again. 8-0 franchise history has been made. It's a victory Monday, and we always go over winners and losers. It is an article that I write for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Make sure you check out that website, by the way. And I just felt like when I was thinking about how I wanted to approach these days after football games, how do I want to approach the show, the podcast? Well, let's give you my emotion in the first half, and let's give you the the the, the black and white fundamental numbers in the second half, and that's where this comes from. And the winners and losers column, by the time this podcast is published, will already be on the website. So if you want to read more about my thoughts, you can, but I'm going to run through these. I came up with six winners and five losers. This is the largest loser list I've had, and also the smallest winner list that I've had since the Steelers started this awesome streak in week one when they went to New York and won on Monday Night Football. But let's get started with the winners. Juju Smith-Schuster was the top of my winners list. I always seem to, I think about the game, and I'm like, okay, who really popped off the, you know, really looked good? That's always my top winner. And this week it's Juju. Juju Smith-Schuster finishes the day with six catches, 93 yards, one touchdown on seven targets. Had a great game. You know, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I think it's going to take some time for Juju Smith-Schuster and the rest of the offensive weapons to kind of find their own uh, spot within the offense. And he's finding his, and it's not an easy one. It's tough yards, it's tough catches over the middle, it's contested catches. It was really, really good to see Juju Smith-Schuster hit pay dirt. Because you think back to last week, he was the leading receiver he was getting pummeled across the middle. There was a couple times where you thought he might get in the end zone. It was great to see him fight and claw. It's what he's done all season. He has been the heart and soul of that receiving core. He's a leader. He's also one of the youngest receivers, believe it or not. I believe he's actually younger than or the same age as James Washington and Deontay Johnson. I think only Chase Claypool is younger than Juju Smith-Schuster. He's just still such a young, young man. Um Juju is proving his worth, and he's also proving to be Ben Roethlisberger's security blanket. That's not a bad thing. Uh, Ask Heath Miller what it means to be Ben Roethlisberger's security blanket, and he'll say it's a lot of success. So keep an eye on Juju. Hopefully he can keep compounding these great games. Second winner, Minka Fitzpatrick. You know I had to go there next. Stat line, six tackles, five solo, two pass defenses. He had an interception and a fumble recovery. Kudos to Cam Sutton, who punched the ball out. It went right into Minka's lap. Right place, right time. That's what these plays were for Minka Fitzpatrick. But hey, this is what we got used to seeing in 2019. We saw Minka Fitzpatrick always in the right place at the right time. And so for that, I look at this and say, well, you know, I'm not going to complain about Fitzpatrick getting some turnovers because I was the one who a few weeks ago said, where's Minka Fitzpatrick? What in the world? Like, where is he? Where are these big plays that we got used to seeing in 2019? Well, he's starting to come up with those. You think back to week eight, Willie Sneed, the pass breakup to finish the game in in Baltimore. He had a similar play, not as contested, uh, to finish out the game here against the Cowboys in week nine. But still, Minka Fitzpatrick is starting to make his presence felt, and that is great news for the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense. They're taking the ball away, folks. Keep an eye on that. Ben Roethlisberger's the next winner. 29 of 42, 306 yards, a 7.3 average, three touchdowns, no picks, 113.8 rating. Another good game. I would say a great game by Roethlisberger because you have to remember the end of the first half, he leaves with that knee injury. Um, 
Now, granted, he did come back, and and we don't know the the significance of that knee injury as of right now. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure he's okay. They would not have sent him back out on the field if there was any question of, you know, any ligament damage or anything like that. Think back to just to give you some comparison. Think back to Week Eight. Tyson Alawalu leaves the game against Baltimore with a knee injury, and he doesn't go back in. It, because you're not going to go back in when you sprain your MCL. If Roethlisberger had sprained an MCL or something like that, they're not going to let him back in either. So for that reason, you don't know how it hindered his play. You know, you don't know how it helped or hurt. It didn't help, but you didn't. You don't know. Like, did it hurt the play calling? Were they not able to run certain plays because of his knee? We'll never know. But Roethlisberger fights through it. It's something he's done. It feels like a million times in his career, and that's overcome injury. Look. The one thing I want to mention about Roethlisberger, and we're at the halfway point here. He has thrown 18 touchdowns to four interceptions. That's a really good ratio. Take away that three three interception game versus Tennessee, and he's, I mean, if you take away all three, he's 18 to one. Like, that's incredible. He's having a great season. I don't think anyone predicted he would look like this coming off of that elbow surgery, but boy, has he been tremendous. Next winner, Cam Hayward, four tackles, three solo, a half a sack, uh, one and a half tackles for loss, and three quarterback hits. I felt like Stefan Tuitt had had a, had a game or two where he's really flashed. Tyson Alawalu has flashed. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again, I was waiting for Cam Hayward to finally flash, make a big play. Where's Wreck-It Ralph is what we were saying. Where's Wreck-It? Where's Wreck-It? He finally got his moment in Dallas. It was when he had that pressure on Garrett Gilbert. That should have ended the game. Should have ended the game. And it would have been a great way for Cam to say, yeah, I made that play. He and TJ Watt collapsed the pocket. And he was able to get Gilbert to the ground and turn the ball over on downs. But it wasn't. But still, I don't want that to take away from Cam Hayward's performance. I thought he had a great game. And I thought Cam Hayward, if he can be, if he can be good, and Stefan Tua, they can work together. That defensive front is going to be unbelievable. Next winner, TJ Watt. One tackle. You're probably thinking, how in the heck is he on the winner's list with one tackle? Let me explain. One tackle, a half a sack, a half a tackle for loss, three pass defenses, and three quarterback hits. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I could put TJ Watt on this list every single week. But I want to make it very clear that he doesn't have to be that demon in the backfield wreaking havoc every week to make an impact on the game. He is finding unique ways of impacting the Pittsburgh Steelers defense and helping them win every single week. This week, it was his ability to time Gilbert's passes, get his hands up in traffic, and really be effective in that capacity too. That's something his brother JJ has done a tremendous job his entire career in Houston. And that's you find ways to impact the game, even if you're not getting home, period. And so if TJ Watt, he isn't just a great pass rusher, folks. He he is an all-around phenomenal football player. And that's really, really key. TJ Watt is by far and away the best defender the Steelers have. But he's also, in my opinion, a defensive player of the year candidate. He will not win the award, probably, because unless he unless he gets on a roll where he is just, I don't know, racking up three, four sacks in a game, he's he, there's going to be other players that have better statistics than he does, but he is tremendous. I think he did, he definitely deserves to be in that discussion. We'll put it that way. My last winner, and a lot of people might 
say, oh my gosh, I feel like turning this off after Jeff said that. I'm going to say Mike Tomlin. I'm going to give it to Mike Tomlin for a couple reasons. Number one, the the team's 8-0 at the midway point of the season. They're 8-0. So if you break the games up and say, okay, your first four games, your second four games, you break it into quarters. I don't know if anyone thought they would be 8-0 at the, at the midway point, but here we are. Kudos to Mike Tomlin for getting this team to win those close games, finding ways to win rather than the alternative of sometimes, and we've seen it before, finding ways to lose. But also, the eighth win of the season marks another non-losing season for Mike Tomlin. Okay, so he ties Marty Schottenheimer as the longest streak, 14 straight seasons, that had not suffered a losing record. It's tremendous stuff. It is tremendous stuff. You cannot ignore how good Tomlin has been since being hired in 2007. And a lot of people want to say, well, ah, he's always had Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, he has. He's been very fortunate for that. Should he apologize for that? Does Bill Belichick have to apologize for all those years with Tom Brady? I, I don't think so. And then they say, well, he's only one with Cowers players. Look, he's winning with his own players now. Roethlisberger is the last player from Bill Cowers era, and he only had pro- probably only has a few years left and he's winning it with his own, his own guys. Sometimes you just have to give credit where credit is due. Yeah. His decision not to kick the field goal in the fourth quarter will probably be criticized and rightfully so rightfully so, but they found a way to win the game. Now let's go to the loser side of things. Okay. So Chris Boswell, he tops my losers list. Yeah. He was two for two for field goals and, um, Oh, for two for extra points. Should not have been two for two for field goals. He missed the 54-yarder at the end of the first half. Then a pre-snap penalty on Pittsburgh gives him another chance, and he makes a 59-yarder. It just so happens to be that 59-yard field goal is a a franchise record long field goal for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was just an off day for the special teams unit. We'll get to that in a second, but really for Boswell, the 0 for 2 on the extra points. One was blocked. That's not really on him. But on the other time, the other hand, he did yank the other one. You just can't leave points on the field. I don't care if it's one or two or I'm sorry, one or a field goal. You just can't leave points on the field. Extra points in the National Football League, they can come back and bite you. Why? Because then you start to chase points. You're starting to have to think about going for two in certain situations. They can't do that. And let's go to the next loser. It kind of is a good tie-in here. The special teams. Holy cow. The Pittsburgh Steelers special teams were atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. I mean, outside of Boswell's kicking, okay? Outside of Boswell's kicking, the coverage teams were awful. I don't think anything epitomized how bad they were other than, well, there was the punt return where the Cowboys did the lateral throwback across the field. And that's a trick play. You know, you you don't really plan for that, especially if they've never done it before. And the Cowboys came into this game with nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. Let's, hey, let's break out all the stops because we have to try to win this football game. And there was even a point in the game where I was shocked that we didn't see a fake punt or anything like that. Um, But still, you have that play. You think about when the Steelers got that really, really four. Alden Smith, I think, is who it was. Um, or it might've been Randy Gregory. I don't know. Someone, they, they got into the tussle with Chase Claypool after Juju Smith-Schuster's touchdown, and they got the 15-yard penalty, which they decided to take at midfield, basically. They're basically kicking off from midfield. So Chris Boswell, he could not have put this little pooch kickoff 
in any better. He kicked it right inside the five. It was in place. They were going to have to field it. You're thinking they're going to pin him deep. And no, that's a huge return. That is the stuff that is killing this team in certain situations. But I have to say this. Danny Smith's special teams unit has not been bad all season. I've actually had them in the winner's column. I think this has been the best season to date for him. And yet for some reason, he just had this game. Maybe it was a giant brain fart for the special teams unit. I'm not sure, but ultimately it was not up to par. We'll put it that way. So special teams finds their way on the losers list. Next, the rush offense, 15, I'm sorry, 18 rushes for 46 yards, 2.6 yards per rush. Yeah, I said the rush offense. It really could have been just the offensive line because the, the Steelers tried. They, they Early in the game, they tried to run the ball. This was against, again, the NFL's worst rushing defense in the Dallas Cowboys. They tried James Conner. They gave Benny Snell a series. They gave Anthony McFarland a, mix, a series. It didn't matter who was out there. They it was the same result, flat-out failure. Look, for the offense to be balanced, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to run the ball better. And the sad thing is, is I don't know if there's an easy fix outside of using more motions, uh, maybe getting a fullback out there from time to time, not running in obvious situations. There's a lot of factors here that go into the rushing offense, but it's just not good enough. Next loser, third down defense. I'm sorry, third down offense. The stat line was five for thirteen on third downs. Five for 13. I think that the third down conversion rate for a football team is probably one of the the most underrated statistics that fans overlook. They'll look at turnovers. They'll look at time of possession. You want to see if an offense was good or not. Look at third down conversions. Five for 13, not going to cut it. When you're not even sniffing 500, that's not a good day. That's where the, the first half, that's where these struggles are when they're not converting on third downs, when they're not having any semblance of a drive in these three and outs, they will kill you, period. So the Steelers' third down offense, not good enough. And last loser, the fourth down and short yardage offense. The Steelers were 0 for 2. But while those numbers are frustrating, it's the situations that they failed. Think back to the first quarter. Okay, the Steelers, they, they just flip the field in their first drive. They get the ball back. They're driving down the field. They're moving it. Everything looks fine. And they have a fourth and inches situation. And they get blown off the ball. Turnover on downs. You don't get three points. You don't extend your drive. And that changes everything. And then lately, uh, sorry, lately, the last series of the game, when Mike Tomlin elects to not kick the field goal, but to go for it on fourth and one. And what does he do? They run the play up the middle, and Connor gets stopped. Not even close. Awful. The Steelers' offensive line was getting zero push in short yardage situations. And even though Mike Tomlin, after the game, said that we've liked the way our offenses looked in short yardage, it didn't look good on Sunday. Period. So that's my winners and losers, there, folks. That's my winners and losers. I, maybe you have a player in mind that you think would be a winner or should be on the losers list, let me know. Find me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N, underscore P-I-T. Give me a follow. I appreciate all the love there. I always post my podcast there in case you don't know how to find them. But hey, a win's a win, folks. Your feelings, my feelings, they don't matter. The wins matter.
period. 8-0. The Pittsburgh Steelers are 8-0 the first time in NFL history. It's pretty cool to be a part of this. And it's pretty cool that you all are being a part of this with BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, which should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. And also, as a reminder, wherever you get your podcast, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, Pandora, or Spotify. I'm a Spotify guy. Find the show by searching Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain. Follow and subscribe. If you're on iTunes, give us a five-star rating. Give us a comment if you like it because it helps with exposure. We appreciate it. That's it, folks. On Wednesday, get ready for the identity crisis. That's right, a little tease for you. I'll be back on Wednesday. In the meantime, check me out tomorrow, Tuesday, for the Tomlin Tuesday press conference recap. That's right, I recap everything that Mike Tomlin says after his press conference. Be there or be square. In the meantime... Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Steelers are 8-0. That's right. We'll see you later.